The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. TIAA makes you a retirement promise, a promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to Brown Table Talk. I'm DC Marshall, founder and CEO of Diverse and Engage and a Wall Street alum, top WB CEO and LinkedIn Top Voice 2022. I'm here with my co-host, Mita. Hey there, Mita. Hey there, D. I'm Mita Malik, a business leader, a DEI champion, and most importantly, a working mother. And I will also add, because she's super humble, Mita was also named LinkedIn Top Voice a few years ago. Um, so she is constantly on the list. She's also um, a contributor for Harvard Business Review. And if you follow her anywhere and everywhere, you know she contributes to all of the major business pubs. But for those of you who are new, Mita and I started Brown Table Talk as a place to spill the tea on the hard truths women of color face in their workplace. From my perspective as a Black woman and for Mita, her view as a South Asian woman. And at our table, we unpack it all. We don't leave any juicy details out. But then we provide you with tips that you need on not how to survive, but how do you thrive in your organization. And so if you follow Mita online, you know that we have really worked hard and earned um, this platform. So we thank you so much for supporting. And so what we like to do is also lift up as many women of color as possible, including founders. So Mita is tracking everyone, who's doing what, when, where, and how they're doing whatever it is that they're doing. So today, Mita, who do you want to shout out? So D, I want to shout out today Ish Dolls, and that's I-S-H. And here's our disclaimer. These are not paid ads. No one has paid D&I to shout out these individuals. They have no idea they're being shouted out until now. And we are just on a mission to lift as many women of color as possible. And the founder journey is a really difficult one. And so Ish Dolls, they're plush dolls that Amanda started during the pandemic, and they're really designed to connect with your little ones with rich stories and traditions of Hinduism. And I grew up as a Hindu. And so Amanda launches this collection in 2020. She is a boss, leaves her big job to do this, her side hustle, her passion, does this first time, first ever makers of the Goddess Collection. And since their launch, they've been in over 10,000 homes worldwide. It's so cool. So check them out, Ish Dolls. Wow, that's so important. Representation matters. Dolls are a big deal for kids, not just for girls. You notice I didn't just say for girls, but for kids. Awesome. So what are we talking about on today's show, Mita? So today I would love for us to talk about racial gaslighting. And we are so happy, humbled, proud of our Brown Table Talk community. And we've had many people reach out to us to tell us we want to talk more about these issues because we talked about gaslighting a few episodes ago. But in particular, people wanted to talk about racial gaslighting because there is a difference. 
This is so important. I love that we're creating space to really tease out some of the nuances in terms of race and culture. So I know you have a ton of stories. So you want to start with a story? Yeah, let's start with the story. And I'm going to ask, as you're listening to this episode, you might want to pause and go back and listen to the episode on gaslighting. But here's a quick 101. Gaslighting, if you're tuning in for the first time, as Dee and I talked about at length, it's a form of psychological abuse. It's a form of manipulation. It's a form of minimizing, denying. It causes you to question your sense of reality and sense of self, right? So that is gaslighting. Dee, what I want to talk about is the rising hate crimes against the Asian community in the U.S. and abroad. And hate crimes in general, I would say more broadly, hate crimes against anyone who's from a historically marginalized community. But recently on LinkedIn, because you know I'm on LinkedIn a lot, sharing, learning, teaching, growing, I posted about earlier this year, back in March, a 67-year-old Asian woman in Yonkers, New York, is walking into her apartment lobby, and she is punched 125 times, Mm. stomped on seven more, and spat on. And I get emotional about this because, you know, I see my mom, I see my aunt, I see my cousin when I see that video. It's really heartbreaking and devastating. But here's what is even more upsetting is that I had all these people on my post and not even, I'm talking about this instance on the post, on the comments, but this also happens in real life. How do you know she was punched 125 times? Is this really a hate crime? Why are we calling it a hate crime? And so this is racial gaslighting. Yeah. Like, why are you even asking any of these questions? And this episode we talk about, it's for women of color. It's also for allies, right? It's also for allies. I want the allies to really lean in and listen up. But how is this even relevant? Why does it matter? Why are you asking the question? How many times, how do you know how many times she was punched? First of all, it was on video. But why is that relevant? Why is that the first thing that comes to your mind to to deny it, right? It's the the denying. Oh, that didn't happen. That wasn't as bad as what you're saying it was. First of all, my heart goes out to the community, to you. You know, when I saw the video, actually, initially, I didn't see the video um, because I'm, uh, I feel like sometimes I live in a bubble only because I don't tune into news because I emotionally, I just, I just can't. When I finally did see that, oh, I lost it. Luckily, it was at night and it was near bedtime, but I, I just, I completely lost it because I accidentally saw the video. I had already been holding space for you. I knew it was happening, but I had not seen the video. And when I saw that, I lost it. My heart was so heavy. Um, I'm glad you weren't. It was late because I wanted to call you and apologize. I, I wanted remember to, you said that. Yes. Yep. But I, but I felt like, you know what? I'm glad you weren't uh, available for a conversation because it was late. And because then, you know, I didn't want to further push my pain or my emotion to add to your emotion. And so it, it was just good that you didn't pick up. It's almost like, you know, during uh, funerals where people are more upset about the loss than than you are. And then so then they they kind of bleed over on you. So in any event, I have my own experience and my heart just, just goes out to um, to the entire community. But I will say this about 
the comments, like when you openly share or anybody shares and when the questions are, well, how do you know? It's so bothersome because the only response should be allowing for others to have their experience and feel what they feel and comforting or sharing words of comfort and or support And that's it. There is no challenging, questioning, denying. There's so much here. There's so many things that I could say about further demoralizing, demeaning, reducing. It's all of those things. It's gaslighting. It's racial. It's gaslighting. Yeah. It is exactly that. Because And here's the thing, because we call things by their right name here at the Brown Table Talk. When you participate in racial gaslighting, and we'll get into the workplace, but when you participate in racial gaslighting, you are distracting from racism. I will tell you, whether it's the work I do every day, whether it's in my personal life, there is still this belief amongst some individuals that xenophobia is not a thing. Hate crimes against the AAPI community were making it a bigger deal than it is. Hate crimes specifically targeting the AAPI community are growing at an alarming rate. And I am quoting myself because I wrote about this recently in Harvard Business Review. And here's the study I pulled. According to the Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism, anti-Asian hate crimes increased by 339% in 2021. Cities like San Francisco, New York, and Los Angeles saw surges in hate crimes that surpassed what they experienced in 2020. Mm-hmm. And we also know that there are so many crimes that are not reported, right? There are so many things that we don't see and we don't know about. We are only talking about the things that might hit the media or might hit our social feed mm-hmm. or might something we might have personally experienced with friends and family members or in our community. But it is real. And so that is the job of allies to educate yourself, not to deny, not to minimize the experience. You know what? I'm glad we did this follow-up now that I think about it because gaslighting, the episode that we did some time ago, as you mentioned, gaslighting is devoid of racial context. So uh, race lighting or racial gaslighting was necessary to have this conversation. And I think if, if, you know, for our listeners here, if you only take away one thing in terms of how you can do better, and we're going to share tips at the end, but it's, again, never to question or deny, just allow, right? Allowing. It's the posture of allowing. And this, I think, shows up in the workplace as what does it mean to allow others to have their lived experience? It means not challenging a thought, an idea, an emotion, just allowing it and then just showing up to either be present, listen, and allow, and and also to support, um, not necessarily racing in uh, or rushing in to save or to do anything, but to offer support. Not sure what I can do, but I'm here. Let me know how. The LinkedIn Podcast Network is sponsored by TIAA. In the last 100 years, we've seen financial markets swing, new currencies come and go, decades of savings lost in days, all showing that a retirement plan without a guarantee, quite simply, isn't enough. So more than a retirement plan, TIAA makes you a retirement promise. A promise of a guaranteed retirement paycheck for life. A promise that pays off. Learn more at TIAA.org backslash promises pay off. 
From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the LinkedIn Podcast Network, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I wanted to pull in an example that I really want our allies who are listening in to listen to this one. There are so many incidents happening. I can't name them all. It's heartbreaking. One of the other ones I recently posted about was something that happened in Chicago. It was another, the target, the victim was an elderly Asian man who was a renowned, is a renowned chef in Chinatown, Chicago. And he was missing for days, D. His family couldn't find him. He was found the victim of carjacking, brutally beaten. And he, I believe, is still in a coma. And I shared this and the feedback response is, well, there's a lot of carjackings happening in Chicago right now. Why are we calling this a hate crime? I want allies to listen to this because it is, again, this view that, well, this happens to all people. This happens to everyone. Stop pulling the race card. This is not a hate crime. Why are we making this about race? And so, Dee, I need your help here because the allies listening in, right? This is a real moment for you to learn. Because even when we're at this table, we're not saying, when Dee and I talk about our experiences and the experiences of women of color, we're not saying that these things don't happen to others. We are sharing it from our cultural context, from our perspectives, from our stories, from our experiences, right? It is from our vantage point that we're sharing it, and it is different. So, Dee, on this topic of racial gaslighting, I wanted to bring in our BTT fans and listeners to something that happened real-time live this season, which is our episode that caused quite a stir on how to react, what to do when they say you speak English really well. And so if you haven't listened to that episode, we encourage you to go back and listen to it. But I posted about it on LinkedIn, and I was really, really taken aback by the comments of individuals saying to me, you should take it as a compliment. Why are you being so sensitive? Someone else telling me I needed therapy and help. And so it's fascinating how gaslighting is showing up in social media. But D, I just wanted to thank you. And my God, DC Marshall had my back. That weekend we were texting about it. I couldn't even look at the comments. But then on Monday morning, D had gone in and D was like responding to all the comments. You know, I kind of have this interesting relationship with social media. I think I learned from one of our other folks who is also in the LinkedIn Presents Top 10 that I think I 
manage a little bit of social anxiety. But I, when I saw that post and I saw how the people were responding and coming for you, I responded. And I responded as DC Marshall. My opinions and thoughts are my own. I did not respond as CEO of Diverse and Engaged um, because there were racists on the uh, self-proclaimed racist on the thread responding. And so, yeah, I think the responses that were so disappointing where people were missing the whole idea that all of our experiences are our own. And that was your, those are your experiences and your thoughts and mine as well. And, and you were really speaking and sharing, we are speaking and sharing from our own perspectives. And it just so happens that so many other women of color identify with us. And so I went in and I mean, I was so livid. You don't have the audacity. Don't, how dare you have the caucasity audacity to tell her how she should feel. I literally, I wrote out a whole discourse to this one guy and I just thought, you know, after I did, I deleted it. I went back because I tracked back his profile and mm-hmm. he was a self-proclaimed, you know, uh, known racist. He had it on his profile. So that's where you have to protect your energy. You have to protect your own energy, right? You have to protect your own energy. And I thought that's that's not going to be a good place for me to show up. I did address a few others. There was a woman who worked for an Ivy League institution. And what I thought is, and I'm going to share this this angle for the allies, and then we're going to back out of this. I said, wow, I wonder if you have any direct reports. Right. Um, And I wonder what the strategy, the diversity, equity, inclusion strategy is at said Ivy League institution. So I really wanted her to reflect in in all of my anger. I wanted to have a different conversation, but I wanted her to reflect. And so I'll say this. We, I think, have a responsibility to stand up for each other. We do. This is where we could have used allies on the page to say, you don't have the audacity or for you to have a conversation with white, cisgender, male, you take it from here. And then for women of color, we have an opportunity to stand up for each other, but we also have an opportunity to channel our energy into meaningful and purposeful opportunities for good. So I would just share for allies listening why this is really important. And you know what? It's really because there's two things happening here that impact, I think, corporate America right now. It is one, leaders and allies within the workplace now need to have this as a high priority on their radar in terms of listening for the conversations that are being had and listening, having an ear for what exclusive behavior and racism sounds like, right? So we're calling things by their right name, whether we say microaggressions or as some would say, it's race lighting but listening for when somebody is sharing and immediately the response is a question, a challenge, and anything other than support because it's an opportunity for learning and development. And so the question becomes, has there been training provided, training and development provided, whether it's sensitivity training, bias, this this probably shows up in some of you all's bias or unconscious bias training in terms of microaggressions and such but it's also cultural competence. So it's a big one for allies listening here to listen. Secondly, I would say for corporations as a whole, this is where you have high reputational risk because if Mita and I are, um, you know, part of your talent and then we're sharing and the response is a question or denying 
or, you know, minimizing, then this is what contributes to exclusive behavior, exclusive cultures, and we're out the door. Or you've got issues of where, you know, we're not feeling psychologically safe. Now, I will say, how does this show up for me as a Black woman if I'm working in corporate America? How it shows up is every time there is an unarmed Black person, you know, for the most part, a lot of Black men, but women as well. Also, even non-binary, transgender, right? But every time something happens outside of the workplace, as a Black woman, I feel it. You know, I'm Black all the time. And so on the weekends or, you know, after hours, if something happens in this country, uh, even actually, to be quite honest, even in Ukraine right now, the way Black people are being you know, treat it. What happens for me as a Black woman, immediately I go to, I'm a Black woman and my heart is for my people. I feel it. And so if I bring that into the workplace or if I'm having a conversation in the public domain and the first question becomes, well, he had a weapon or well, he had a criminal record, right? It's it's a similar thing um, as to what Mita has shared in her story. It's questioning, judging, challenging whether or not my thoughts and experiences are true and real. And that is a very dangerous place. It happens all the time where Black people are expected to show up on Monday morning, on Monday morning when there's been another unarmed um, Black person killed on camera, executed on camera. And I'm not going to go deep because you would have to pick me up off the floor here, but it's happened, right? And so just know for allies listening as a Black person, when I show up on Monday on camera or in the office and I'm expected to be my best self, I'm carrying with me that that person was my family. And so to have the question or have any question other than some of my, let's just say allies and supporters, Mita, you're really good. You will send me a message and say, I'm here for you. And so anyway, I'm not going to go deep in that, but I did want to give that because that's a very real daily, weekly thing that shows up and your Black talent are coming into the office, whether online or offline or in person. We're thinking about that. I would say exactly to what you said, it invalidates your existence, experience, right? When allies are minimizing, interrogating, denying your emotions, your feelings, your experience. And I will say I am on a journey to be an ally for the Black community. Only D can tell you if I am an ally. That's not my place to say. But what I would say is people oftentimes are like, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know if I always get it right. I get it wrong. But check in on people. It's just human. When I see the news, whether it's D or my other friends, all I say is I'm thinking of you. I don't need to ask you how you feel about it. I know how you feel about it. You're grieving. It's a loss. You're mourning. And I just want you to know I've seen it, I see you, and I know it's happening. And that's all allies. It's not that you have to have, and actually D doesn't want to talk about it, right? I don't need to ask D. When D's ready, she'll come and talk to me about it. But I don't need to be like, I just saw this on the news. D, let's discuss. No. D, I'm just here to check. I just want you to know I'm here. If you need me, call me. If you want a coffee, call me. That's all we can do for each other right now. So the other thing I do want to bring, bring up, Dee, is particularly racial gaslighting at work and how it shows up for women of color. 
I love your examples and conversation of the world around us and how we carry that with us to work because there's no line anymore between this is where our company ends and this is where the world begins, right? Those lines have been been very much blurred and in some, some places, cases erased. But it is also, again, to allies listening, if as a woman of color, I am coming to you, sharing with you that th- these things have happened to me in the workplace. Dee and I had another great episode where Dee was very open and vulnerable talking about Black women repeatedly having their hair touched in and out of work. So don't deny that experience. If a Black woman is sharing that's happened, well, why is that a big deal? That's not a big deal. That didn't really happen. Mita didn't really mean it. D, you're making a bigger deal than you need to be. So what's going to happen then? I am never going to trust you, Right. The woman of color who has come to share what's happened to her is never going to trust you again. You have broken psychological safety. If she is coming to share something with you and your immediate response is to deny it, interrogate it, or to dismiss it. Yeah, it happens all the time. And I think it's a fail of, I wish I could say that we were raised in such a way that we would know better, but because we were raised in a country that didn't uh, talk about race and talk about differences, you know, so I think there's a gap there. But I wish, you know, corporate America would do better by developing talent and managers and people leaders. I, I wish that training and development was not a nice to have, but a need to have and a requirement. So I think that's a significant gap because there are some people who really don't know, right? I think some people are acting out based on how they're wired and based on how they were raised. And I'm talking about the workplace. I'm talking about the culture and those who are on the other side of if I raise a complaint, right? Or if I not necessarily raise a complaint, but let's say an issue or an experience. If I go to human resources or my manager, a lot of people are not equipped in terms of how to deal with it. I do think there are a lot of people who want to do better, be better, but then there's a lot of fear about what to do. But that's the story of Black women every day, all day, of minimizing, dismissing, the race lighting, and then where do they go to share that and know that they will be heard and there will be some sort of uh, response that is respected. You know, I've had clients who have filed and raised issues, human resources, launches an investigation. Guess what? And I'm telling you, it's not like one or two. I have had many clients, same story. They've raised it, filed an official complaint, human resources investigates, and three months later, six months later, the case is closed. And this is a whole nother episode. And the offender is still there they're somehow elevated to then be involved in fixing the issue that did not exist, that was denied. Like, that's a whole nother episode. Well, Dee, I was one of Dee's former clients. That's all I'm going to say. I'm the client that she can't oh. get rid of. But oh, shots what fired. I will say is, yes, what I will say is, here's the thing, Dee. I love what you just brought up. Because when there's not diversity of representation and cultural competency for those in the people function, for the managers, for leadership, when a woman of color, like myself, comes forward and raises a complaint or shares an experience, they actually, they're not equipped. It's dismissed, right? They're not equipped to understand that experience. Mm -hmm. So they actually dismiss, deny, and say, this actually is not a big deal. You're making a bigger deal. Or in my case, as I was once told, he's a bleepity bleep, deal with it. So 
let's take us home. But I want to end before we go into tips where, where we started was videos of really horrific things happening to individuals from historically marginalized communities. And I was going to present at work one day and this was another incident that happened a while ago and accidentally it showed up on my phone. Another elderly Asian woman walking to church in New York City in broad daylight, brutally beaten. And it's all caught on film and it was horrific and I couldn't stop bawling watching it. And here I have to go and present at work. And a colleague says to me, why why was that so upsetting for you? Why are you so upset? And I would say that I don't think if I'm really going to be honest, this was a white man. I don't think it was from a hateful place. Right. I think it's back to your point of just not understanding. And for me, it's like, well, number one, if you're a human being and you see this on video, I don't understand how it can't be upsetting. And number two, as my friend Lan Fan says, who's the founder and CEO of Community 7, when you see people from your community repeatedly attacked, hurt, stomped on, spit on, killed, murdered, how are you supposed to feel? How are you supposed to show up for work? Why would anyone question how we feel about it? And so I just wanted to share that story for allies listening, because there's the intent versus the impact. And the impact didn't land the way it should have, because maybe you didn't understand. But that might have been a moment to educate yourself rather than asking me, well, why are you upset? Why would that upset you? I think that's the note for allies listening here. Just manage your response and share with others of your colleagues um, that when individuals from marginalized communities when there's an experience outside of the workplace, we feel it. We feel for our communities. And I think that's a distinction to be made. So never again wondering why would Mita be upset about what just happened, you know, two days ago in, you know, uh, why would D or Black women be upset? Know that, no, we feel for our community. And because we just see through a different lens, of, you know, inequity, disparities, hate, race. We, we see that. And that's our lived experience. All right. So now, Mita, let's uh, move on over to our tips. Yes. And today, Dee, we really want to focus these tips for allies listening in on how you can do better and be better for the women of color in your life, in your workplaces. So number one, we've talked about this, don't minimize, dismiss, or interrogate. And I think Dee just said it the best. Sometimes no response, no answer is okay. Just to say, I am here for you and holding space. Thank you for sharing with me. And what can I do? Number two, do your homework and research on hate crimes and what other individuals from historically marginalized communities are experiencing. You need to understand and do your research if you want to build empathy for experiences that aren't your own. And number three, D, take us home. I love our tip number two. And also, you know, in the research, it's don't just gloss by the headlines. Read the headlines when they don't speak to you, but they speak to marginalized communities and people of color. And then number three, our last tip is believe us, believe our stories, believe our experiences, because this is why we started Brown Table Talk to share our stories. And so that's it. Those are our three tips for today. Mita, you want to close us out? 
I'm going to close this out, but I'm going to do a plus one. P.S. Hire diverse and engaged. Hire DC Marshall. <laughs> allies who need help. Here she is. There they are. Thank you so much for this episode of Brown Table Talk and for being with us. D and I are just so honored and humbled to have you a part of the Brown Table Talk community. Please, if you love the episode, share it with a woman of color in your life who's looking for community and conversation. And please share with allies because we're all on a mission to do better and be better. And we will see you next time. Side effects of listening to Brown Table Talk may include allies unleashed, getting paid more, and a dose of badassery all the way around. More at www.browntabletalkpodcast.com.